Greetings. And welcome to the Mr. Science Show. My name is Mark West, and this week is part two in our look at the science of Spider-Man. Dr. Boob is going to introduce to us the amazing properties of spider silk and how Peter Parker might harness various technologies to appropriately use it. It's also Dr. Boob's final show for a little while, but more about that at the end of this episode. Let's go. What would you say the main feature of Spider-Man is? The main feature? Well, the most striking yeah. thing you notice about him when you see him is his, his bright red costume. His leotard, his yes. His leotard goes with his eyes. It looks quite nice. Um, but in terms of... Uh, in terms of abilities and talents. You'd have to go with the, the swinging from, from tall tower to tall building. The, uh, the spider web. The spider silk slash web idea, uh, which is pretty funky. Um, and so, you know, I did a bit of research into spider silk and, uh, it's an absolutely fascinating biological compound. So scientists still have no idea how spider webs work. Well, they have a basic idea, but they don't really know what's going on in terms of the, the spider silk. Well, that's very interesting. So, I mean, cause spiders have been pretty well known for years and studied since Modern science came yeah. around, I imagine. And there's a lot of science going into spider, you know, silk because it's such an amazing compound and such a potentially useful thing. If they can somehow manage to harness it, it'll be really useful. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how spiders make it, what we know about that. Then we'll move on to what spiders can do with this wonderful thing, and then that will lead nicely into properties of spider silk and, and how it can do those functions. Okay. So, spiders have special glands that secrete silk proteins that are dissolved in a water-based solution. So these proteins, um, the spiders make are pretty similar to collagen in a lot of ways, which is in skin and bone, and keratin is another kind of similar protein. Um, and so this solution, kind of liquidy, thing with our silk proteins dissolved in it is pushed through these long ducts ducts not quack quack ducts but ducts <laughs> it's uh, strange if there were miniature ducts inside every spider making their spider webs spider, yeah um, but yeah so these ducts come out at uh, microscopic spigots on the spider's spinnerets so these uh, spigots are kind of cool in that they have valves basically and they can control the thickness and the speed of the silk that's coming out so as the silk is being pulled out of the gland, and I mean that literally, like it's pulled out. It's not extruded so much. It's the uh, the spinnerets, like little, uh, I guess, hands or arms at, in the gland, and they pull out the, the silk, which comes, it's a liquid inside the gland, but when it's pulled out, it becomes more fibrous and string-like. So it's a process called uh, pultrusion rather than extrusion like, a, say, a sweat gland or a, a milk gland. Yeah. And so, yeah, as, as it's pulled out, the molecules sort of line up and, and form these wonderful fibres. And that, it, So there's kind of a mechanism that uh, I'm, ima I'm imagining like a, a paddle steamer or something that's sort of 
turning and, and pulling water uh, out of the gland as it pulls it out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of um, with ducks. I kind of think of it as in like when you got like a fleece of wool and you're spinning a fiber out of it like that, except the wool is more liquid that becomes a, a woolen fiber. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So it must it must react with the oxygen in the air or or maybe something in the in the process. Yeah, or it could be the tension which which does it. Um it's yeah, that's that's one of the sort of secrets and it's one of the difficulties that scientists are having in recreating spider silk in the lab is that whole spinning process. Okay. So yeah, one of the really cool things about it is that spiders have a couple of different types of silk glands in some cases, and so they're able to actually wind a couple of different types of silk together into one fibre, so you can get different properties that way. So combining the different types of spider silk with the variety of thickness and speed that the silk is coming out, you can really get a huge variety with a one simple Spider silk. The different strengths for different uh, opportunities. So if you want to lay a web across a river or maybe somewhere to live, like maybe there's a difference between where they well, live yeah. and how to catch and how they catch things. Exactly. So there's a whole of a lot of different functions and uses for spider silk. So um, not all spiders like have webs. I think a lot of people know that already. So you have, you know, Pretty ornate cobwebs in some cases, uh, like the golden orb spider has one of the, the best known ornate cobwebs and structurally familiar. But then you can have lots of, sort of disorganized web-like things. Uh, there are some spiders which will coat pretty much an entire bush with webbing. Others, such as a certain famous funnel web spider, doesn't actually do a cobweb as normal. It's more of a funnel and then you've got your trapdoor spiders and all sorts of funky webs that's just for feeding and catching stuff just talking about this is making me feel icky i don't Mm. i'm not a real fan of spiders oh well so spider-man was to rescue you you'd say no thanks i'll be all right i'll wait for wait for superman i'm good yeah well yeah see as much as apparently batman can defeat superman from time to time in the comics so i'm led to believe I really don't see how anybody can beat Superman. He's from another planet. He's got, you know, amazing abilities. Yeah, I'd go with Superman if I had the choice. But, you know, if I was about to be killed, I, I would suck it up and survive with Spider-Man. You'd settle, settle for Spider-Man. Yeah, I would. I'd settle. Yeah. Yeah. just webs in terms of sort of feeding themselves for spiders but they actually use their silk for a lot of other things as well so uh, a lot of spiders use the silk to make a protective cocoon for their eggs and and the young spiderlings once they've hatched 
Are they really called spiderlings? Yeah, spiderlings. Baby spiders. <laughs> and some of them actually sort of wrap up all the eggs in, in a cocoon and carry the cocoon around with them, so it's like a bag of eggs. Okay. Most spiders actually use their spider silk for a drag line. So this is when the spider is moving around from place to place. It's, it lays a, a thin thread behind it or it, you know, could use it to dangle from something as it's moving along and so on. And they can also use this to track or get back to where it came from if it's, if it needs a bit of safety or, you know, needs to go back to where it came from. So that's, that's kind of more like the, the Spider-Man idea. Um, the drag line. So, but there is one other very cool trick that spiders do with spider silk. Um, this is called dynamic kiting. Yes. Which is uh, also incorrectly known as ballooning, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll settle for dynamic kiting, which I think is a pretty, pretty wicked it's, thing. It's pretty, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, so this is when the young spiderlings, they all hatch together. There's you know hundreds of spiders in one egg pouch, and they all need to kind of disperse themselves around, and they can't all just live in one happy community. So the way they do this is they climb up the nearest bush or tree or whatever, and then they release a few strands of silk into the air. And the spiderlings are so small that the the wind can pick up the silk and basically lift up the spiderlings and carry them away to far away places over the sea, <laughs> <laughs> or into the middle of the sea, which would be bad. Well, that's true. They don't have much control over where they go. Um, usually, it's just a few meters, so it's it's not too bad. But they have been found in some really quite amazing places, like ships far at sea have found them in sails, for example, or even hot air balloonists have found them at various altitudes so oh wow yeah. okay so that's how they that's their method of getting around the world basically of spreading yeah the jet setting spiders of the of the day <laughs> i don't remember spider-man doing any dynamic kiting but um, no, you know, but he's a young man you know he might have wanted to get away and see the world instead of being stuck oh. in new york all the time I know. Well, hopefully in the new Spider-Man movie, he'll be, he'll be doing a bit of that. Maybe he'll take a gap year. Spider-Man gap year. <laughs> Kites away over to Hawaii. And That's right. Goes down to Cancun. And maybe maybe oh. the movie's a little bit blue, you know. <laughs> spring break. Spring break. Spider-Man spring break. <laughs> Spider-Man spring break. Yeah, yeah. We can have like a road trip thing, some bromance with, I don't know, Bruce Wayne or something, and they go across America on a road trip. Ballooning their way. Ballooning, yeah. Dynamic kiting their way across Route 66. Well, I suppose Batman could, uh, could use his cape and do some hang gliding type stuff. and then Batman could do some hang gliding. And if you ever lost too much altitude, then Spider-Man... Well, it's actually... I mean, I guess the problem with dynamic kiting is it's difficult to control your altitude, but... Um, you just go where the wind takes you. You just go where the wind takes you. That's right. That's right. So you might end up... You could end up anywhere. There's a lot of... Yeah. Um, especially in Southern America, there's a lot of... Hurricanes, so you could really go anywhere. Yeah, well, I guess you know if you're free and easy and you're Spider-Man, you can go wherever you want, and you'll be fine. Yeah, well, does he in the end of Spider-Man? And you know, it's a question without notice, you might not know the answer. Does he end up mm. with uh, Mary Jane, or does he? You know, which not... which Spider-Man are we talking about? Oh, well, you see, that's a good question. I don't know. Wait, well, see, I, I know, actually, there is an answer to that in terms of the 
second most recent movie, uh, there is no Mary Jane, so that's an easy question to answer. Ah, right. So in the new Spider-Man, there's no Mary Jane. Uh, I think she's coming in in the next um, instalment of that series, but I'm not sure. Okay. There's always a... Anyway, all right, that's fine. Um, Spider-Man's got got a couple of different girls on the go, I think. There's, There's a few in his history. Well, spiders, I don't think, are monogamous creatures. Well, isn't there the Black Widow spider, which sort of makes sure that her husband is uh, monogamous? Ah, correct. So it might have actually made more sense, and, you know, this would go against years of comic book convention and Mm. probably sexism, really, because there aren't that many female superheroes, but Spider-Man should be a woman. (laughs) Especially if we're talking, you know, last week we were talking about gene therapy and Mm. uh, using genetic... Um, therapy yeah. to manipulate the mammary glands to be the glands that to be, shoot. To be silk. Yeah, it actually makes a lot more sense that way. Although, I mean, if I remember correctly, in the Avengers, Scarlett Johansson's character was the Black Widow. Yes, you might but be she, right. she has no spider abilities that I'm aware of, but maybe that'll come out in the Avengers too. What, what are her abilities apart from being an ex-gymnast or, or something like that? She was just fit. And, uh, uh, and well-trained. Yeah. I don't, you know, the, all the other ones had, you know, the Hulk was genetically uh, strange, and you can listen back to our obvious. excellent yeah. episode on that. Tony Stark was a genius, I guess. Captain America, Captain America was... America was, again, one of those modified uh, superhumans. Um, I guess that was genius. But then there was, there was um, what was his name, Hawkeye, the one with the arrows. Did he have any and, skills? I think he was just... Well, he had skills, but I don't know what he... Well, he, he could just shoot arrows and had good vision or something. So he had good vision, right. Okay, so there's probably more to his backstory, but... And, and... There's probably more to hers than we know of, but, yeah, I think she was just an assassin or something like that. Okay. So, well, uh, I, I'm going to say it that that so far she, she her backstory doesn't sound very interesting, and if Spider-Man wanted to start encroaching on her territory, I'd be cool with that. Or if she wanted to encroach on Spider-Man's, I think that would be awesome. That would be good too. Yeah, if 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 maybe if so, if the producers of the next Avengers are listening, listening to this, yeah, uh, maybe. Although <laughs> I don't know how you make it uh, okay for general audiences to have silk shooting out of a lady's breasts on screen. I don't know um, if that's going to work. I, I I I I'm not sure what the problem would be. <laughs> You're saying it's okay for a man to, you know, turn into the Hulk on screen, but not for a woman to have silk coming out of her nipples. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I mean... What, what if it was done in a tasteful way like the fembots in Austin Powers? <laughs> and wasn't that tasteful? It was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, well, okay. All right. Is it Josh Whedon doing the next one? He did the last one. So if he's listening, and yeah. I think he's a big Dr. Boob fan. Yeah, just uh, give us a call. Yeah, just give us a call. Uh, I mean, it's so it's okay to have uh, superheroes killing everybody else, blood and gore and all sorts of outlandish death. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I question the use of mammary glands for a general audience. But if that happens, well, I'd like some credit. Or we should have some credit, I mean. Well, we are, you know, this is Dr. Boo, so if anything's going to happen with Mammary <laughs> Glands, then, you know, we're going to be at the forefront of, of that, that push. That's right. The, the, I'm sure there's kind of a nice 
alliteration, uh, alliterational saying. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm sure you could think of something, you know. Mm. Anyway, somebody will write in. Um, I think we've got a bit sidetracked there. Let's go back to spider webs yes. uh, and spider silk. Tell me. Um, so we've just talked about all the funky things that they can do. So what are the properties that you kind of need for spider silk? And that's it's got to be strong and it's got to be flexible. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be able to you know catch prey as well as withstand like wind and stuff if, in terms of a cobweb. There's a lot of different types of spider and each spider can make a lot of different types of silk. So it's kind of hard just to sit here and say the strength is this, the toughness is this, and the elasticity is, is this. But just let's just talk in broad terms that there's a lot of um, reports out there that spider silk is it's about five times as strong as an equal mass of steel. Mm-hmm. So to get the same result, you only need one-fifth of the amount. Uh, That's quite amazing, isn't it? And one place I read that it was twice as strong as Kevlar, which is one of the more strong things that we know. Yeah. But then strength is not the same as toughness. So toughness is like what it takes to to break or to fracture. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard, but it is, in terms of the biological materials that we know of, it's just a remarkable, remarkable thing. One of the things it can do is it's... Some people say that it's an intelligent, semi-intelligent fiber in that depending on how it's treated, it can do different things. And so one example is that in the case of a cobweb for trapping insects, when there's a light breeze, the whole web is affected and it's kind of elastic and flowy in the breeze. But if a fly was to fly into it, there's a very distinct pressure point in that and it becomes rigid and then it fractures, but it also traps the, the fly, but you don't have the whole web coming to pieces because of the fly in one particular corner. So it's, it's a very cool dynamic kind of structure. But the other thing is that I've never heard of this property until I was reading about spider silk, and that's a property called super contraction. And it's, as far as I'm aware, it's unique to spider silk. But what happens is that silk takes up water in high humidity. So if it's a really humid atmosphere, the silk absorbs more water. And what that means is that the absorbed water leads to shrinkage of the spider silk of up to 50% in 100% humidity. Really? It makes it shrink? Makes it shrink. That's really interesting because I would have instinctively guessed the other way around. Exactly. And the theory is that spiders use this property, super contraction, uh, to specifically adjust mechanical properties of the silk that they're spinning. So uh, as a makes the spider silk, it can adjust how much water is going into the mix. That's one thing. But the best sort of explanation of why this might be useful would is the theory that when you build a web overnight, 
in the morning, it's a bit dewy. There's a bit of moisture around. So super contraction means that the web all of a sudden shrinks and actually becomes tense. So it's made as a kind of a loose web, and then as it, the morning dew hits it, it, it tenses up and is more structurally, you know, of a net. When the when the insects come out or something like that, or when you're yeah, ready to eat. When, yeah. How does that work? How does something... I have to think of the structure. Does something shrinking make it tense? I would have thought expanding would make it... Oh, I see. So you can imagine it... Oh, I get you. So you can imagine that if... Like a like a tennis racket, if the yes. strings are loose, that's right. And that's then right. You tighten them up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, great, great analogy. Okay, that makes sense. Well, it's U.S. Open time. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, you've currently got one eye on Leighton Hewitt. Oh, I think he just won. Uh, yes, I believe he did. Um, I believe he has no relevance to a spider conversation. So, uh, continue. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really interesting. Okay, so so like a tennis racket. Um, yeah. I wonder how the chemistry of that works. So more water makes something uh, contract. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the water kind of replaces the... Maybe there's less yeah, poly- polymer I, I in the mix or something. I have no details on this super contraction that yeah, I can help with, unfortunately. This is, that's what I've got. That's what I know. That's what you know. Interesting idea, though. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Um, so Spider-Man could probably do this if he had, um, you know, if he had I, a mechanical... Pultrusion device. Well, yeah. So we were talking. Um, he does have his little gadgets that he fills with spider silk, and then he uses to shoot this pressurized kind of silk out. And I think that with spider silk, if he had enough of it, that would be the way to do his little swinging around New York City pretty pretty easily. These are only need to be pretty thin fibers. But it's got to happen very quickly. So you, you could, yeah. you'd think that he would. He'd use up all his silk pretty quickly because he's making long strands. Yeah, I would say he'd need like a camelback or something like that full of full of silk. But but if imagine how thick a like a steel cable is and the weight that a normal steel cable could support. And then think, okay, we only need a fifth that much steel to carry that much weight of spider silk. And you think how heavy is Spider-Man anyway. Actually, he doesn't need that he probably much. He doesn't need that much, does he? No. As long as it was it was consistently made and there were no kind of errors in it. That oh, quality control would be... Would have to be have high quality important. control. Did, yeah. Is it ever addressed that, you know, the proper authorities have to clean up all this stuff after him? Because, I don't you know, it, think there must so. be hundreds of... There must be kilometres of, of spider web just sticking around in the city that's sticky and strong. And, yeah. I mean, how many broomsticks would they go through? I mean, they go through. Yeah, you, <laughs> they you're need at home, you, you realise there's a spider web in the roof corner. You get the broom out. And you... Yeah, it's kind of hard to do that on the Empire State Building. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's the job of the crane operators that he keeps swinging on the the arms of the cranes, and they'd, they'd be a bit jack of it, wouldn't they? They would be. And Peter Parker's not famously rich, is he? So he couldn't just afford... Well, he's not sending out a clean-up crew after himself, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. So Bruce Wayne, for instance, could you know, could do that. I'm sure he's rich. Uh, you know, he could he could afford to have a clean-up crew just follow him. But um, yeah. Peter Parker, I don't imagine... I mean, he should be paid as a, you know... As, he should get a, a salary from the city. Well, as a public servant? As a, he should be a public servant, that's right. 
for uh, for his <laughs> for his work, right? Like he's doing a public service. Should be paid. True, but then then we're getting into the whole vigilante issue. That's true. That's true. So I presume that in some movie or comic book, Spider-Man is hated for a while there. Well, I, I and every comic book hero that I'm aware of is sort of pursued by the cops as well as evil villains, right? Usually because they're set up as opposed to being actually bad, right? Well, not because they're... No, but um, the, the idea of a vigilante going around doing the police's job for them... Yeah, I can, there's, a, there's, a, there's a problem there. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, if someone actually did have these powers and started running around in a mask in the city, everyone would be a little bit scared. Like kick-ass? Yeah. Well, he doesn't have powers, though. No, he has Well, no, doesn't he, doesn't he get beaten up and have all these bones replaced and becomes really strong? Isn't that what happens in the start of kick-ass? Um, I think you're, you're thinking of Wolverine. I know, I know. It sounds very <laughs> much like the plot of Wolverine. Um, I think at the start of Kick-Ass, he goes out and he gets beaten up, but then yeah. he comes out of hospital. Oh, I don't know. I'm not in, I, I can't remember. But in any case, if somebody wants he, to... I just thought he was a normal kid. This is something to look up. Um, if, if, well, if somebody wants to come and do my job for me, <laughs> I'm not going to whinge terribly much about it. As long as they do it okay, and I guess that's the problem. I'll hunt them down if they do a bad job. So, what do you think then? There's this spider silk. We've got a we've got a a gene therapy a way of of making Peter Parker produce it. Uh, we assume he's got some engineering so he can do the pultrusion. Uh, we've got a place yeah. in the body. We know what it's made out of. It's a kind of a polymery thing. Have we made spider web in the lab? Uh, well, that's one of the tricks at the moment is that it's really hard to make in the lab and to, to spin it. Like, you can you can make the protein. They know what the protein sequence is for, you know, this spider silk. But to actually – it's a really complicated apparatus on the spider to spin it into a fibre, and that's not quite there yet. Okay, okay. So we can't do this all right now, but do you think in – 25 years' time. Oh, totally. In, in 2038, uh, we'll be... <laughs> there'll be Spider-Men. Well, I, I don't know that there will be Spider-Men, but we'll certainly have a lot more uses for Spider-Silk. That, I mean, that's good and all, but, you know, I want Spider-Men. <laughs> Are you volunteering, or do you just want someone else to be Spider-Men? Well, there's the other part of it all, because so he gets all these other spider powers as well. So I'd be yeah. I'd be down with that if I could get that. You know, the well, reaction like, yeah, to we'll walk on the ceiling and leap a long way, and and the the ill-defined spider sense, the ill-defined spidey sense. Um, yeah. So walking on the ceiling, I guess that's a a frictiony thing. He gets little furs on his fingers or something. So in the in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he um he gets sort of barbed hair on his fingertips. The idea I think that they were going with in that these are akin to spider feet which have scopulae hairs on the ends of the the feet. So it's basically these scopulae are microscopic hairs and each of them are covered in even smaller hairs called setules or the end feet. And so the result is you get this 
ridiculously massive surface area and it can grip uh, a lot stronger using sort of atomic static and uh, van der Waals forces and so on. Yeah. So that's how they can climb, say, glass or, you know, on the ceiling and so on. And it's thought that they can, a spider can support around 170 times its own weight using this grip. That, that makes sense, I think. So on a human, though, I mean, that would be crazy. So he's going to have hairy palms is what I'm, what I'm thinking. <laughs> he's going to have hairy palms, but, uh, you know, the, the, on a spider, you can, he's got kind of big feet. He's a lightweight. And humans, I presume, have kind of smaller hands. Like it's going to be very. That's going to be very difficult, I think. Well, let's let's also not forget that how many legs does a spider have? That's right. He's got um, eight legs. I believe so. And then you're looking at four appendages on the on the human. So he's going to have to have super super duper hairy hairs on hairs on hairs on his hands and feet, which might make him stick out a bit when he's trying to blend in. That's right, unless they're retractable. There's, a, there's no suggestion that it's retractable in Spider-Man, I, I think there is, but, yeah. Yeah, there, there definitely is in the Tobey Maguire movie, um, probably in the in the new one as well, actually. I remember a scene where everything that he touched was sticking to his, his hands, but I, he must have been able to control that at some point. So I wonder then whether... Um, Maybe this is to to do this in in reality. We need some kind of mechanical device or something. Might be better than gene therapy to give him hairy hands. Mm, because he wears a yeah. suit, you know, and the suit covers his hands. If we could, yeah, get this, get that sort of grip from the gloves. Yeah, Velcro yeah, hands. Good. Although you imagine that various uh, espionage agency would have worked on this technology already, like. But it'd be very useful to have gloves that could just climb buildings and stuff. That's true. That's very true. I wonder. So if there's anybody from the FBI um, <laughs> listening in, and... Um, no doubt they are. According to the news, <laughs> apparently that's quite likely. Um, <laughs> drop us a note anonymously. I'm sure you know where we live. Well, that's about all the time we have in this week's edition of the Mr. Science Show, the podcast where science meets pop culture. And it is with much sadness that it's the final show from Dr. Boob for a while. So a big thank you to Chris for all his effort on this program over the last couple of years. We're going to miss you greatly. But if you're interested in keeping in touch with Chris, you can find him on Twitter. His handle is at Dr. Underscore Boob. That's Dr. One Word, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore b-o-o-b find him on twitter or start an online petition or a facebook fan group for him if you'd like any more information on this episode or any other episode get over to our website at www.mrscienceshow.com and from there you can find us on facebook and twitter until next time take care Doesn't it even come in? I can't see